This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. And with me today, wouldn't you know it, it is Hans, and he is in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And he has a bright red light on his face. You look like Two-Face right now. Oh, ho, ho. Is this a Joel Schumacher film? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very gay. <laughs> uh, you've got what looks like a uh, flannel pattern shirt on. We've got a red yeah. light, a green light. This is supposed to be green, but it's not really hitting me at all so i'm trying i'm, I'm since uh my camera is not the best i'm trying to give it my camera is not the best not i left my good. my my cord for my dslr in new york city i'm currently in massachusetts right now for the holidays so bear with me for the patreon.com slash lowers five dollar tier viewers we're back to the old days where it's just a basic grainy webcam yeah for anyone that just pays to see these two handsome faces, we're, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be talking, speaking of handsome faces, Peter Billings, age 50, is a tired looking man. Uh, we're going to be talking about a Christmas story, and maybe, yeah. if we feel like it, if we feel like we might have something to say, a Christmas story, Christmas. I don't know who the fuck came up with that title. Listen, I triple dog dare you to talk about a Christmas story, Christmas. You had not seen this movie in nope. 39 years of living. This is nope. the first Seven. time you've watched it. Yep. And uh, it was great. I had a lot of fun. It was, uh, so this is very, uh, very cozy uh, feeling, uh, even though I wasn't alive in the 1940s. But uh, I thought it was a much funnier than I was expecting. Uh, what what did you expect? What did you think uh, you were getting? I thought it was, thought it was just going to be kind of corny. Uh, what's the black and white one? Uh, uh, there's a, a black and white one that's like a classic uh, with that's uh, Wonderful Life. Yes, where I I started watching that and I was like I don't I can't really connect with this stuff like five six years ago, mm. but this one for whatever reason I I think it's and it's all about what's his name Peter Billingsley I think it's his performance is what drives it and what you know kind of connected me to to um, relating I guess a little bit even though. I've been, you know, living in third world countries or lived in third world country my childhood. So it was never snowy or, or this jolly, but um, it, yeah, it's all, it's all on him, I think. Uh, and uh, I laughed uh, way more than I was expecting. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of these uh, movies that is often geared towards children, but I don't think you can really appreciate it unless you're an adult. And I watched it, I picked up a VHS of it, actually, as a matter of fact, and I ordered it a while ago. And when I got the V, first of all, I thought it was a big box MGM VHS, not the size of this King of Comedy VHS, which I just showed off on, look at that glare, that silver shamrock glare uh, of, of this King of Comedy RCA VHS. This is a normal size box. The big box was an MGM exclusive, it seems like. And it was um, like two and a half si uh, times the size of this regular VHS box. So I don't know why up. they made it that big. And you open it up and inside is a VHS. There we go. We're pulling it up right now. No, 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 no. Nope. That's nope. a clamshell. That's for children. Absolutely not. That's what I have is this normal size box. But I thought I was getting an MGM big box. Type in... Um, Type in uh, Pope of Greenwich Village VHS, and you might be able to find it. They discontinued it in the mid-80s because they realized 
This is big, obtrusive. We're wasting money on this. It makes no sense to have it. Mm. Uh, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't really tell here, but you can see that well, the box is bigger than the videotape. Yeah. The videotape goes in the center of the box as opposed to being, there you go, slid in and out. $10. Not, not the most effective. So I right. thought I was getting so one has, of those. So it has room. It's kind of like a DVD, but or the way that DVDs are packaged, but exactly. VHS. What did they yeah. expect people to do with that proof of purchase? Do you see this? Are you supposed to cut through the cardboard and mail that away for something? What was? Why did they do that? They still do it. Is that like what they do with the mattresses, where they just has a tag there that you're not supposed to remove because it voids it or whatever? But I don't know. I always thought if you cut that out and you save them up, you get a free videotape. That was my understanding. <laughs> I know that's how the cereal boxes worked when you right. did a proof of purchase, and then it'd be a, there would be a rebate or something. You get a free Re golden how old are you? <laughs> how Fucking old are you? I don't even remember that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same age as Ralphie. <laughs> Christmas story too. Um, all right, so we're talking about a Christmas story tonight. This is a yes. favorite of mine. This is again one that you had not watched up until this year. I've seen it countless times. They play it twenty four seven on TNT or one of these networks here in the states every Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. And I'm kind of surprised because of the reason you said that it never occurred to someone like maybe we should pull this from the schedule. Because there's a somewhat, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it racist, but it's racially insensitive uh, Chinese restaurant scene at the end of the movie. Among everything else, it's very like pro-Second Amendment film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't well, know. Are you familiar? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The, the Chinese restaurant part was the where I laughed the loudest. I was watching with my girlfriend and her kid, and we were both like... I don't think I don't think this is supposed to be shown to a child when they're mm. just, you know, uh, singing Christmas carols with the RL uh, aff aff affliction, I guess uh, that that was one of the, you know, laugh out loud moments that I had where I was like, I, I was really not expecting this, but it makes sense. 1940s. Right. Right. That, and uh, in Chicago. Like yeah. Yeah. So that's I mean, look, it's not going to be like seven generations of Asian Americans who have perfected the dialect here uh yeah, yeah so right of the boat yeah <laughs> yep slave work are you familiar at all with the works of uh gene shepherd nope so this is i mean i think most people are only familiar with this so we were talking a while back about doing uh what if we did all the christmas story sequels as a show and that was a poll option for the christmas time uh episode which we haven't done yeah. any of those so far not not the winner, not the losers. I, I came up with a list for Columbo episodes, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work to be doing. Seven it's hours like what, of Columbo four? or something. Yeah, it's only like four Jeez. or five. I think it's under six. So we're not going to do all of them. Um, and uh, Gene Shepard was a radio guy. He was an author. He was a multi-talented individual. And I had the impression that the only sequel to A Christmas Story was... My Summer Story from 1994 right. with Rory Culkin and Charles Grodin. And then they did A Christmas Story 2, which we talked about on the last episode. And then they did A Christmas Story Christmas, which I don't That's know how many, how many films have so many part twos. It's this and Halloween have several part twos. Right. Uh, but it turns out 
there are more. There are more sequels to A Christmas Story that feature Ralphie, such as, I think it's like uh, Ollie Higginbottom's Summer nice. Vacation Ollie, or something. I don't know. Ollie, a list. Hoop, Ollie Hobnoodle's Heaven of Bliss. Yep. Is that... That's it. <laughs> okay. There's uh, uh, American there's Playhouse. Is that one of them? I don't know. The Great American, American Playhouse Plays. released a couple of these. American Playhouse was like a PBS block hour where they would put out a scripted program. One of them was a Disney co-release that starred Jerry O'Connell as Ralphie, as a teenager. And Ralphie's got no similar characteristics to Ralphie in this movie in these film productions. Like Jerry O'Connell, I think, is just like a normal kid. He's not fat anymore. It's post Stand By Me. He slimmed down. And then he's like a jock in one of them. And I watched that one, and that one was not very good. Uh, and it was like a Thanksgiving-themed one. I don't know what the title is, uh, if, you, if you got that pulled up somewhere. A good place to look would be Wikipedia or Letterboxd. Yeah. So he narrates all of them, uh, Gene, and... They vary in quality. I actually have not seen My Summer Story, which is the only other theatrical release, and it's a Bob Clark-directed film. Uh, so it, there's a yeah. direct tie to this original. And then A Christmas okay, Story 2. Yeah. I got the list here. So okay. you have the, the Phantom of the Open Heart. That's from 1970. So this is a, a list of Park, the Parker family saga. So you have the Phantom of the Open Heart, which is from 1976. Prequel. Uh, it says, uh, movie is the first installment of the Rob Parker franchise and is notable for influencing the studio interest into uh, Christmas Story years later. Uh, similar to all the Parker family movies, the film depicts fictionalized events from his real life childhood. Then you right. have the great American Fourth of July and other disasters which was directed by Dick Bartlett. Uh, that's from... Was that an American Playhouse release or was that before that? It's from 82. It's from the year before A Christmas Story. Wow, okay. No, I haven't seen that one then. But it says, yeah, American Playhouse season one, episode 10. Uh, then you have A Christmas Story. Then you have the Star-Cross, the Star-Cross Romance of Josephine Kosnowski. Yeah. Uh, that's the uh, first one I watched, and that's where he's a jock, and he and she's like, comes from a Jewish family, and he's trying to fit in, and it doesn't quite work out, and he runs off because he's humiliated. That one sucked. That was bad. Also, the dad in that movie is trying to do a Gavin McDarren or Darren McGavin impression um, throughout, where he's just aping the dad from A Christmas Story and trying to come off like that instead of doing his own version of the character so that's not very charming either it, it looks like not related at all this is the that's know, some good cover it? art i'd buy that i'd stop <laughs> and check that out at blockbuster that's not full on full on youtube if anyone ever wants to watch that that's how i watched it i think it had commercials uh, in it too then you have uh all the hop noodles heaven of bliss which is that Haven of Bliss. Yes, that's the Haven. Disney co-production. They released that as a movie on videotape after it premiered on American Playhouse. And this one has like an actual, it has production quality to it. It doesn't just feel like a TV movie, but it's not particularly good. 
And that's All right. Chris O'Donnell right there. Fat Chris O'Donnell. He, he's Jerry O'Connell. Uh, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, he's still a little <laughs> chubby person. here. I think I yeah. imagined him more in shape than that, but he's still got some baby fat. He's still got that stand by me, uh, chubby cheeks. Uh, then you have It Runs in the Family, My Summer Story, which is the one you just mentioned. That's right. Yeah, so I was also checking out George C. Scott's filmography today, and I posted this earlier. But I love it when a production company or a distributor differ on what the title of a movie is going to be. And so I found this George C. Scott William Peterson film that was called Curacao. And it popped up on Amazon Prime or Tubi or something. It was recommended through Amazon Prime. Curacao. And then you put on the movie and it said CIA exiled, which I suspect they renamed after William Peterson got CSI. And they hope people saw William Peterson and saw CIA and confused it with CSI and clicked on it. And then it was also the called same? Deadly Currents. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly Currents, I guess, was a videotape oh, here release it of it where they don't even label. They just gave up on promoting George C. Scott in the film gradually. First, he's first build. Then he's not on the cover at all. They put a, a Filipino or somebody on there. And then they just put like some dumb bitch model that's not in the movie, some fucking stock (laughs) Paris Hilton model, CIA exiled. Terrible title. This movie sucked, by the way. And then uh, Christmas Story 2 and uh, Christmas Story Christmas. Uh, Was this as well? This is the one you played at the Airbnb, right? Christmas Story 2, yeah, with Daniel Stern. Yeah, that no one really took to it, I guess. Hell no. Nobody took to this movie. This was part of the HP, not HBO, excuse me, the Warner Brother premiere line of releases. That's a very Hasidic looking Ralphie. Uh, yeah, that fake blonde job does not uh, fool me. Also, Daniel Stern. Again, it's, it's, it's not quite Anglo. It's not, it doesn't feel Christmas. Oh, they no. Oh no, did he do a hmm. did he do an episode? Ah, <laughs> oh, Doug. Channel Awesome Fandom. What does that say? Now let's read the Channel Awesome Fandom. I would love to read what the Doug Walker Wikipedia says. <laughs> we start off today's episode in the kitchen as Nostalgia Critic is joined by Jeremy Scott of Cinema Sins. Now people always like to say, you know, the Cinema Sins and the other guy, the guy who looks like Doug Walker, those channels actually aren't so bad, but they are bad. They're pretty yeah, rough. Right. Jeremy, sometimes watching a movie isn't enough. Nostalgia critic. You also want to eat that movie. That's classic nostalgia critic humor. Oh. I always, it's always a laugh riot when you, you're <laughs> tuning into a nostalgia critic video. Both. And that's why there's movie recipes. And then they presumably like do the introduction like <laughs> explosion. Jeremy Johns comes out with his horrible hair. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so this is just a transcript of the episode, it looks like. Yeah. Should we we act this out for Christmas? (laughs) You want to do this? Just a script reading of uh, Christmas Story 2 by uh, Channel Awesome? Channel Awesome, Nostalgia Critic. Uh, So I think that that was not AI done because it made sense. Someone wrote out the entire episode. Someone maybe wasn't even paid to do that. Oh, this is a good shot. See, this is classic nostalgia critic cinematography. You get kitchen cabinets in the shot. That's always a must. Um, Some very like dim lighting, you know, where it's like it was brighter, but they tuned it down. Just 
a little below the average line. Um, yeah, I always love when the background is kitchen. Yeah. It's good. Ballpark Franks. How about that? Oh, it's, oh, it's going to be funny. very funny stuff. This the reminds me of is... the Stooges. You hear music? You know I don't hear fucking anything. You, no, you know. Oh, fuck. Did I not play the audio? Hold on. Yeah. Wow. Oh, hey, look at the wacky Christmas vacation art. That's something, too. Nostalgia critics' thumbnails are always a work of art. You know, he, he puts thought into it. He puts thought into it. He's like, you know, what could be the funniest face I could make on this pre-existing image? And then he makes it. It's just, he and knocks it out of the park the every time. Face. I don't know how he does it. Probably all right, let's, let's see. But it was cheap and available, and that's all that really matters. Finally, water it down as much as you can so you can't even recognize what it was originally trying to replicate in the first place. Ah. Blend whatever charm it had left into a creamy liquid, ready to be pointlessly forced down your throat. Be sure it's poured into a glass that looks festive and tasteful, deceiving you into what you're about to subject yourself to. Finally, garnish with a lit cigarette and enjoy. You think there's anything on that cup? No. Oh, man. Well, what other reaction would you have expected? I, I, I don't know if it's that... Uh, well, I did enjoy Rob Snyder when I was younger, but I can't imagine liking this at any stage of my life. You know, No, that's like the it's... thing I was literally about to say is I know Jake has said many times, well, you know his early videos, but no, he's never been funny or amusing. His version of humor is I'm going to do an Animaniacs voice. Then that, just that's, that's random it. humor. You know, it's just like, oh, look at how random. Oh, a cigarette? Oh, that's random. You would never put a cigarette in your drink, right? That's that's very humorous. Yeah, I just, I hate, I hate him. I hate the guy. Hey. I mean, even if he DM'd me and was like, hey, that was kind of a mean thing you said. You know, I heard out Adam for a half second before I just kind of dismissed him as uh, an emotionally manipulative creep. But nostalgia critic, I wouldn't even just, I probably wouldn't even write back. I'd probably say... Nah, I wouldn't even say anything. I would just go, wow, that, that's a thing that happened. I would forget about it. It would be an experience with a higher profile YouTuber that I would just forget. Post a screenshot on Twitter and then not say anything. No, I wouldn't even do that because I don't, I don't like when people do the screenshot yeah. of the DM. I don't like that because that that's kind of bitchy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just, I guess I'm, uh, I don't know. I guess I wasn't the right age when that came out. I wasn't even aware nah, of it, No I, one I was just, the right uh, age. when. Look, YouTube's early period was rough, but like you can go back and see why people would have found James Rolfe's videos funny in 2009 mm -hmm. or 2008. There's some, some very minor level of production quality yeah. to them, and the humor is funny for that time because right. it's an angry guy saying it's offensive inappropriate yeah. things about like a very stupid niche thing that nobody was even thinking of really at the time let alone uh shooting things over and there were a lot of imposters and clones and and people who who tried to do that and were horrible but nostalgia critic i just it's not for me i'd much rather watch bob clark's films right so That's we got to, take. well, we, we cover them. Black oh, Christmas. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Porky's 2. Have you seen Porky's 2? You, you were telling us that you haven't seen Porky's ever. Right? I haven't seen any Porky's. 
uh, I remember I would go over to my aunt's house as a child and I would see the Porky's videotape. And I always knew that was like a naughty film mm-hmm. that was not meant for a four-year-old me, but I was aware of it. I've never seen any of them because they don't really put them on streaming because what is about a bunch of guys perving, right? They're yep, going pretty much checking out girls in the locker room. So they in don't high do school, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's extra bad. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I haven't seen any of those movies. Uh, apparently, but again, with the alternate titles, right? Because how did we get on CIA Exiled? There was an alternate title to some movie. But with Porky's 4, which is not called Porky's 4 in the United States, people go, Porky's 4? It was called Porky's 4, Zap, in your neck of the woods, Hans, in Latin America, where something like that would make sense to people. Is Yeah, I love Porky's 4, yeah. Zap. Exclamation! Very oh. Scream Six esque. It ends with an exclamation point. Yeah, you know, third world countries where uh, high schools like that or things like that happens are very, very popular. You know, well, parties. no, no, no. It's not even that. So it was called in the U.S. Hollywood Zap, and they're like, we can't sell Hollywood Zap to Latin America. We'll call it Porky's Four. Porky's Four Zap. There we go. That, That's gonna make money. Well, isn't the fourth one the Pee Wee one? No, that's three. Pee-wee's big adventure. Big top. Big cock Pee-wee. Porky's four. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the um, same high school kids picking on Pee-wee, jerking off in the theater. Pee-wee uh, was a gay man. A lot of people don't want to talk about this. A lot of people don't want to out Paul Rubens as a gay pedophile man because he went to the gay theater. They never said it was a gay one. They just said it was porn. And he had all these art books. And you know how the gay men groom children to be gay like them. I think Bill Cosby said that one time. I'm not saying that myself. I would never. Because gays are are just like us. Where's um, your flag? Oh, you removed oh, the flag fuck, from the frame? On. Give me a second. Yeah. No. <laughs> Cut back. To Hans, say something. Quick. Ah. 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 Uh, g- all right. Gay. Uh, yep. There yep. we go. All right. Whew. Now I can say everything comfortably. Okay. Um, yes. So gay men. Um, Pee Wee was a gay guy. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine Paul Rubens. I could imagine Paul Rubens having sex with a woman. I don't know why I, anyone would want <laughs> go, to. Uh, uh, my penis is wet. <laughs> yeah. I don't That's know. That's a I, terrible impression. I've never seen Pee Wee. <laughs> that was a horrible impression from a character that I've never even seen. You know, uh, but the, I thought you were talking about Porky's Pimping Peewee. Wow. No, this is Porky's Remember? 3. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. This is Porky's 4 in the U.S. It's yeah. Porky's 5 in Latin America. Oh. This was the American Pie spinoff series style sequel, like Bandcamp and all of the... Oh, God. He's so old. <laughs> so old. He was a teenager in many... I feel like you pointed that out in many no, Jerry films. Did. Jerry did. Yeah, I don't. He was like an Angus or something. Oof, rough. Mm-hmm. I'm glad the Christmas Story series never took this approach. Although maybe I, I guess yeah. they, they kind of did with the Christmas Story too, but that had still Daniel Stern, and there was a level of visual quality to that movie. It's bad quality, but it was definitely visual quality. It was the blur, right? If I remember correctly, like it just looked shiny and unnatural. Yep. It it seemed, um, you know, they weren't doing green screens, but there were definitely like, they had sets and it seemed like 
the I don't know, they were going for like a stylized something, but it wasn't properly thought out and it just kind of seemed like a dream. I don't know. It, it, it was not very well staged, although they, I, they had the means for it. Should I play the trailer just so that? No, we've pl- we've played the trailer before. I don't want to get too hung up on a Christmas story, okay. too, especially if we might in the future. Maybe we'll see. Do a show on it. Excuse me, I'm drinking uh, iced coffee here. Oof, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Civic <laughs> TV that season seven. Maybe, yeah. We'll season see. seven, though we that, haven't finished season two. That's like, that's when we do like, what GMAC and Cave Moth did with their show and just throw in four people nobody have ever seen before to take over their podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Christmas Story, I think, uh, is very well done, charming film from 1983. I don't know what you can really say about it critically. I mean, the child actors are good, especially for child actors. Um, well, that's the that's the best part of it, I think, that you usually don't get as much charisma from children as you get in here. Because even the, the friends who don't really have that big of a role... They're all very good, and they play the char- their characters perfect to perfection. I think. Um, what is it, Flick and uh, Schwartz? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Flick is so fucking fat now. That was very funny. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. I didn't even Christmas. realize that's who that was at first. I was like, oh, so this guy's just the surly bartender, and he was like the lanky, uh, yeah. taller kid. That always seems to happen. The one who develops first, as far as men go usually stays there you're usually well, put he's the on pole. pause tongue, tongue in the pole kid mm-hmm. right right that was him and then you you can tell that he uh he didn't have enough time to lose all that weight before this movie came out before this movie was a shot uh because everyone else looked like an older version of their character he was just the only one that was like oh it's been you know eating a lot of carbs <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. We'll get into that a little bit more when we, we start talking about a Christmas story Christmas. But um, as far as a Christmas story goes, are there any other aspects to that original movie that either caught you by surprise or that you took in a special liking to? Well, I feel like it's uh, it, it's definitely a movie f- uh, of the time. Like that... Uh, like like I said on the Scrooge episode, like there's that innocence of those type of '80s movies where, um, even though it's supposed to be set in the '40s, uh, there's a lot of uh, like innocence and like a lot of um, uh, alternate reality, I guess, that I was a little bit surprised by. Uh, a lot of things that were brought up um, in the story, like the you know the dad is like a really good dad, but he's not. Or he 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 he's not like the typical that that you would see in a movie. He's kind of a kind of a grump. He's kind he's kind of a loser too because the the whole uh, uh, leg lamp thing, where it's like this is the one thing he's ever won in his life. It's like he's one thing, even though it's the ugliest thing he's any anyone's ever seen. Uh, so that was very charming too. The fact that you know everyone else was trying to go with him with it because he's the, the one thing he's ever won in his life or, the, or he's won, you know, prize possession. Uh, and I, 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 it definitely feels like, like a different time. And I mean, it makes sense. What fucking 40 years ago or something since that movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. Almost right. 83. Yeah. It's been four um, years, but I was, I was, I was very surprised as, uh, uh, you know, how, how much of a liking I took to all that, 
innocence and it felt very Christmas, which is something that you told me, told me before, where it's like, this is like the the Christmas movie that anyone should watch if they want to see what, you know, what Christmas it's, I don't know if it's supposed to be, but it's like what was presented as or how, how they sold Christmas to everyone. I think it's a good, realistic enough interpretation of American Christmas time mm. where in it's a wonderful life you know people are still acting in that old Hollywood style yeah. of emphasized deliveries and it's it's still I mean I I love that movie I think it it's uh, a absolute classic and it's up there with a Christmas story but a Christmas story is very newer school I guess mm -hmm. you would but it's even old I mean it's old school now because this is not how the world is anymore in the 1980s there seemed to be this resurgence of 19 like old Americana nostalgia mm -hmm. right yeah. and you you I, I don't know if this would necessarily qualify because it is 40s and I consider Americana more 1950s but it it has that kind of aspect to it where it's like people were nostalgic for that earlier time period where it was such a distinct period in America's uh, recent history and we're going through the tail end of that now with people feeling that way about the 1980s and you have all these movies that try to capture that same sort of vibe and the thing about that is the values and the ethos of 1980s Ronald Reagan America aligned closer to 1950s Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, nuclear family America much closer yeah. than 80s and this period right now where you know you watch I've made this point many times before I won't repeat myself but Mike Flanagan is always going for that like homey small town feeling with his different projects and he never he gets a lot of the aesthetics right yeah. and the texture of it is close but he doesn't nail the feeling of it and it's because America is different mm -hmm. and America is different because, and again, I'm not a religious man by any extent, but it, it's because we don't have, um, we don't see Christian values as a hallmark of life or important. I feel like 50% of people in America in 1980 cared about that. In 1950, it was 50% cared about that and 50% pretended to care about that. By 80, yeah. I think it's 50% are like, who gives a shit, you know? And now it's just, who gives a shit? It just ends up feeling very, um, just not real, you know, very, very mm -hmm. like, like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. But at the same time, you bring like modern day sensibilities and, and politics into it, which doesn't align with those values that, right. you know, back in the day. Well, so I, then I don't even think it's like consciously you because you don't have to consciously carry modern politics into it where it's like we have a bisexual girl or right. anything like that it's just a matter of like these characters are in their mid-30s and you know what are they doing they're, maybe they're just partying maybe they're just hanging out they don't have a family they don't have a kid they don't have a wife they don't you know there's there's not that like we live in a house because a lot right. of people our age don't live in houses it doesn't reflect the truth of what people are experiencing right now and if they are starting families they're usually starting families later in life it's usually a 50 year old mm -hmm. guy with a 26 year old girlfriend um that's you know that's just how it goes especially in new york it's usually a 60 year old man and an 18 year old asian woman that's just how it is now that's the normal nuclear family guys yeah um, so when you're trying to pull that off and then at the same time yeah they just, they just don't align so it just feels very unauthentic it just feels like 
yeah, like I see what you're doing, but it doesn't. It's just odd. It's like I think no if you asked, would... oh, go ahead, go ahead. Like no one would act this way in a modern setting. You know, uh, you're trying to pull off like 80 sensibilities, but then you have, you know, oh, uh, I have my, uh, I don't know, my cell phone or like modern modern things that are very much of the time that don't really align with anything like that. So you right. can't you can't imagine that someone that lives in 2022 uh, would even think that way, you know? So yeah. then it's just like, I don't, I don't understand where I'm supposed to be set. Is this modern or is this old or, you know, it doesn't go one way or the other. And it just stays in like a middle, whatever this, uh, at least to me, it's really difficult to uh, connect with anything he does for, I think that's probably the, the main reason why. Well, there's other aspects to it as well in that people aren't as social. I think you see it more with a, a Christmas story Christmas than you do with even a Christmas story where the characters all seem to know each other because they live in the same yep. town and they socialize and they do this and that. And you know what I've been watching recently is um, I wanted to get more familiar with like cruddy areas of the country. And mm -hmm. so there are these like there's this really corny white guy who just like goes into the hood of a different like state for every vlog he does. So he goes to Compton and Compton seems fucking chill. Compton's uh, thugs seem mm -hmm. real fucking like laid back in California, as opposed right. to like going into a project building in Brooklyn and seeing mm -hmm. mentally ill people hanging out um, and what that's like. So he's like yeah. this smiling, happy, like soft face, uh, Gary Owen looking uh, white man. And he has like a black guy who escorts him into all these different projects. And uh, in New York, you can see like the difference in, in everything else. But um, where was I going with this? Oh, the point was you have people living in these project buildings and some of them are, are like massive, like 60 store, like 60 floors, excuse me, 60 floor project where they like, there's a park in the middle of the building. Cause you know, you're going up 30 floors and then there's just a nice park in the middle where people can hang out. And there's maybe a Starbucks. They added a Starbucks to the first floor because they want to trick college kids into moving into project buildings and paying $3,000 for a dump. They'll do things like that. Right. And there are people who have lived in these project buildings. And I can speak to this as somebody who lived in the projects at one point. Uh, you get to know people because you're stuck. Because, mm -hmm. you know, people don't know how to save up and, and take care of themselves in, in advance when you're living in these. And a lot of the times, I'll tell you what, when I was living in the projects, there was a rule that they did not have a set amount for rent. It adjusted based off how much money you were making. So if you were making no money, you could stay there forever, you know, because they'll just charge well, you five a, bucks a month for rent. But it's it's a community, it, right? It's very communal. Sure. It's very like, which you really don't get. Anymore. Right. And and if you're making a lot of money, you know, if you're making like, a, a you know, let's say you're making two grand a week or something, right? If you're, that's a lot of money. If you're living in the projects, um, well, then your rent's going to be like a, about twelve, twelve hundred or something, fifteen hundred, which is high for for one of those types of environments, type of environments, because um, they want to trap you. They want to make sure you stay there, right. and all the subsidized housing is is how so many people make like it's it's whole um, uh, like infrastructure. You know, it's 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 a thing of its own, and so um, what happens is you get to know people. Because they've been living there 20 years, 30 years. Their kids grow up there. Their grandkids grow up there. If somebody dies in the neighborhood, it's a big thing. 
And that's right. how it was when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old and, and living around there, I knew everybody. We had, like, there were different characters in the neighborhood. There was the cat lady who was like half retarded and she would yell out like snowflake at 6 p.m. every single night. There was Eddie, who was like the fat kid who got arrested several times. And uh, yeah, I won't got to stop naming yeah. actual people, you know? <laughs> you Kenny and Gary and- Yeah, that's, that's how I got to know, right. yes, all these people. Same environment. So, um, you know, you would get to know people a lot faster and a lot better and you'd have like real bonds with people. Um, There's like a cookout or something happening. And so, you you know, you get that in small towns in mid 20th century or early 20th century, even maybe late 20th century America. That doesn't exist now. That's not, a, right. that, that's not really a thing now. People are in their own little bubbles, even if they're living in uh, smaller towns and I guess blue states, right? You'd call it. Um, yeah. So that that's an aspect that is gone that you can't really relate to. And it offers a visible level of artifice when you see it implemented in films that take place today. I'll give you an example. This is a bad example because it's not really a similar film to A Christmas Story. Christmas, bloody Christmas. This real big piece of sh I don't know what the fuck Spencer was thinking recommended this movie to me and you to be on his show and talk about, which we will do at some point. So I'll keep this brief. Um, the way those characters interact is, I guess, how 30 year old Portland people would interact with each other in this day and age. Um, but like the familial aspect and, and, and knowing the neighbors and they don't really delve into it. It's just kind of like a spoken thing. You never see it. Um, shown, for example, uh, you know, it's like that doesn't exist. And th like that a lot of like a lot of cursing and a lot of like, this is not how unbearable. Talk. Did you watch but, it? No, not yet. Oh, because of what you said. I think you you posted something. I think your review was something like, oh, women say the F word. That's interesting. Or something yep. Like that. That's yeah. that's essentially how, you know, that was the movie on Twitter. I think people were making fun of like from our circle. Where it's like, we set the record for the most F-words in a single movie. <laughs> that's like, that's not really much of an accomplishment now. <laughs> There's not a yeah. ratings board that's going to say, we're going to pull your movie from a thousand theaters if you say cunt. You know? No, but That's just annoying and jarring. And you're just like, this just doesn't feel natural Yeah, you're, chi you're a child. You're, you're children. Yeah. Children made this movie. That's how it comes across. So Joe uh, Bagos, right? Joe, who has a very spotty track record, and that's being generous. That's that's yeah. to say, VFW, I finished it. Right. You I know? didn't even start it. <laughs> After hearing your guys' comments, I was like, oh, there's oh, no a bunch point. of old men, and they are they do action. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Why he doesn't I? really know how to frame shots either, and he just kind of like throws a mesh of different colors. It'll be a blue light, a red light, a green light, all in the same shot. It's just ugly. It, it, he has no, uh, I don't know, his visual palette it should be there. He's always shooting on film and using like neon colors and it should look cool, but it never really does, in my opinion, anyway. Um, Isn't that well, just like sh what Shutter Productions do? Kind of. They, yeah. they have the idea of like what this is supposed to look like, what we're going for, and then they miss the mark. But hold on, on that note, we got to hit pause here because my bladder is very full. All right. All right. Yes. All right. So wasn't there a pants pissing scene in a Christmas story? Didn't someone piss their pants? Yeah. On the second one, on the Christmas story, Christmas, when the, the, the little bullies. kids, 
Yeah, the the little kids uh, prank the boys, and then one of the bullies pisses himself. And yep, you know. that's me. I'm pissing <laughs> myself right now. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, right. wouldn't it be great to have an advertisement right here at this point? We could cut away to. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a sponsor that stays with us someday. All right, I'll be so 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 my stomach. <laughs> Fuck, damn. I'm hungry. Go I gotta piss. eat this vegan banana bread here. I haven't. I haven't had a meal. Go I've piss. been on the train all day. Anyway, we'll be right back. A Christmas Story. Christmas is the 2022 direct sequel to the original. Has nothing to do with Gene Shepard. Has everything to do with Peter Billingsley, the star of the original movie, who's now a man in his 50s and is a close friend and um collaborator with vince vaughn i don't know if you caught vince vaughn's name as an executive producer on this film that was dumped on hbo max and you know when people were talking about batgirl and they said hey this feels like a cw show with real actors in it and then uh, you know i was like all right well i don't know if i buy that and i mean i understand why people would make that connection is batgirl but you have Michael Keaton, you have Brendan Fraser and J.K. Simmons. It's pretty A-list. But um, CW, I mean, that's kind of a, that's an easy complaint. Probably not accurate. Then we watch A Christmas Story Christmas and I go, oh, I think I get it. Uh, because this does not, well, I, I, how can I put this? To me, it felt like the modern day equivalent of a, and I guess it technically is, a made-for-TV yeah. movie. Back in the late 20th century, and I'll give you a couple of examples of this, they did made-for-TV sequels to classic popular films. One was Rosemary's Baby. And I believe the title was Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby. And that was a TV sequel with Patty Duke. That might be the book. I don't know. I might have the title. Confused. No, it is. It is? Yes, it okay. Is. Yeah, and um, what I learned also today is that there was a sequel to the Academy Award winning, won Best Picture, Best Actor, though refused by George C. Scott. Patton had a sequel with George C. Scott, made in the 80s, so about 20 years later, called The Last Days of Patton. This was a pretty popular trend that they would do. Christmas Vacation 2 Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, made for TV. So that's how this movie kind of felt to me. It was like, it felt more like a TV reunion mm -hmm. special, which I did not mind. I didn't mind that aspect of it. It seemed more in vain of that than we're building up a real big, actual, full-fledged continuation sequel. Just, we're going to touch base with everyone from this movie, and it's going to be its own little thing. Well, it's it definitely depends on the nostalgia of watch. I don't like if I had not seen the first movie, I don't think I would have cared at all <laughs> about this. Uh, but it definitely depends on on you remember this guy or remember what this guys did and remember you know the original movie. And I guess because I I watched uh, a Christmas Story what two days ago and then I watched this one today, so it's still very fresh in my memory. You were feeling rather nostalgic by the time it you started playing that sequel. No, I actually hated it at the beginning uh, because I I was like, well, the original movie depends on Ralphie, right? 
uh, now Ralphie's old, but he's still a kid. So like the initial scene where he's like, oh, I'm going to have Cocoa Puffs with orange Jews. And I was like, you're fucking 50. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, how oh, this is kind of embarrassing. I was hoping it wouldn't, you know, continue that way. And it doesn't. Um, I ended up liking it more than I thought I would just because of, you know, everything we, we or everything you just said about how, you know, they're, they're just trying to milk it with a sequel that's not very connected or it doesn't really have anything to do with, uh, with the original like they've done with the other sequels. But I, I, even though there's not much of a story and even though the kids are whatever in this, uh, which is a complete contrast to the original movie where the kids kind of drive the story and the parents are the ones that are more of the uh, peripheral characters. I didn't mind it. Um, I I thought uh, it had a couple of uh, nice moments in it. And I, I thought that uh, even though he kept or, or I guess he he kind of gave a very good performance of what Ralphie would be as an adult. Uh, and at the beginning, I was a, a little turned off by the fact that, you know, in the original movie, you have the dad and the mom and they they seem to fit very well together because they look like very real, natural, you know, parents of the time. Here you have this 50 year old and he has like a very uh, younger than him wife who just accepts him for the loser that he is, which is pretty much what he is. You know, he hasn't made anything of himself, has two kids, has $20 on Christmas uh, to buy the presents. So that was a little, I, I didn't like that uh, because I, you know, if you do that with the original where, where the parents fit in the story, you know, you have the very nurturing mother and the dad who's kind of disconnected from everything but then he comes through with with the presence you don't get that here uh you get a, a wife that's kind of clumsy i guess is is her personality that's what they give her uh to play with you have the the mom uh who's just not just whatever like it's she's there and uh, we remember her because she's there although they um, did not bring back the original actress for whatever reason everyone well, they was, got everyone else yeah. except for her I was reading about that, and it's, apparently she's got dementia. Uh, oh. So maybe they just you just didn't. Want that could have made like it that. more fun. They could have just added that as part of. I mean, it would have been a darker movie. Yeah, she just but. talks to the dad. It's <laughs> like, where, where do you go? She suddenly uh, thinks and, that Ralphie is the dad, and tries yeah. to fuck him. Very good, Chris Chan. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the I think um, what they did with uh, what's the the. The guy that plays the set, what's his name? Um, uh, Darren McGavin. Yes. Um, the fact that he, you know, he's been dead for like 15 years. Um, what they did here, I, I felt like at times it was a little cheesy and it was a little, okay, we we get it. Like they, they gave, I feel like, too much importance to how good of a dad he was, even though in the original movie, you don't really see that that much. I mean, he again, he comes through at the end, but then... There's a, a lot of this movie depends on the fact that, that, oh, he was such a great dad and he was so good. And, and you don't really see that in the original. So you can see that at times they maybe didn't really know where to go with the movie because the main story is just, you know, uh, Ralphie wants to be a writer, even though the only thing he wrote when he was a kid was the thing that didn't work. Right. The, mm -hmm. the, the his Christmas, whatever wish or whatever the fuck that was. Um, but I feel like that they they played with the nostalgia well enough where it didn't feel like it dragged at any moment it felt like like it, like a quick like you said like an easy to watch uh made for tv movie 
that uh, wasn't trying to do anything new or anything, you know, more than what it is, which is, uh, hey, you love this movie, remember? all the relationships and all the friendships and everything that happens in that that's that still exists and they're still here and they still live in this small town that looks exactly the same which i really liked uh the sets that they use they they look just like you know like if the the little town would look like years later mm -hmm. uh and uh yeah I, I i was a little bit surprised because i didn't realize that titus's brother was the the bully uh, and then he shows up here, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Titus's brother played the bully. I didn't recognize something. Was, was he the brother random. on the sitcom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the brother in in, in the sitcom. The oh, I, see, I never, bully. I never watched the sitcom, so I knew of him from A Christmas Story. But then he was also in Freddy vs. Jason. He right. played yeah. Mark Weber of Snow Day's brother in that, who killed himself, and he comes back for like a dream see a nightmare sequence. Um, yeah, I mean, you. I think you you summarized it very well. The strong points of the uh, Christmas story, Christmas, and the weak points of it are almost like too obvious to to even really get hung up about. It. I mean, it's like a little corny, right? Yeah. But that's to be expected. I mean, what the, the, I think the big thing is the audience shifted. So had they tried to make this for kids or something, then it doesn't really work in the same way yeah. that a Christmas story works for both adults and children. But I think as an adult, you appreciate it more for this one. They realized, yeah, all those people are like 40 or 50 now. So um, <laughs> we'll just make it like a, like a better version of a Hallmark Christmas movie, just with all the same yeah. characters and we'll bring back everybody. So they did that. And I, I think the, the strongest thing with that is that they did not try to redo a Christmas story by doing one of those pseudo sequel remakes where, you know, it's the vacation movie with Ed Helms and we're going to redo the whole thing again. And that wouldn't, that would have been a big misfire. Uh, you know, the girl meets world style of we'll have the children being the focal part. No, it's still Ralphie, even though Ralphie hasn't seen like really acted in 35 years. Um, we're going to let right. him lead this movie because he's friends with Vince Vaughn and he had a cameo in Iron Man or something. So, I, yeah, he did. Someone corrected me. I said, this guy hasn't worked in 40 years. You're putting him as the lead in a movie. And someone said, actually, John Favreau gave him a cameo in Iron Man 1 and 2. Like, oh, wow. That's really qualified for. Yeah. All right. It's like saying Jim Norton's been acting for the last 20 years. Yeah, Cameo exactly. Spider-Man or something. Yeah. He's he, Peter Billingsley is just he's a film producer. I think he's a restaurateur as well. Um and he does all these like co-productions and I think he runs a production company with Vince Vaughn and maybe it was John Favreau from oh, like around the swingers time. Uh executive producer for yeah, all of his Vince Vaughn movies, Four Christmases, Iron Man, The Breakup. Well, I He's a money guy. It's literally Dallas Saunier, essentially. Um, so that I, I was like, I was like, all right, well, this is kind of a weird choice to have him come back and lead this film when he was like a child actor to begin with, because yeah. you know how that can go. I mean, that can go either way. You might get someone who's well adjusted and maybe can can act well as an adult, or you might get a Corey Feldman case. Maybe you want to do Goonies too, but your lead's Corey Feldman. You can't really do Goonies too. You can, you also might get uh, Edward Furlong too. It's just like, oh, remember that kid? And uh, 
Titans. So. Yeah, well, they did. Uh, you know how they handled that with the Terminator movie that James Cameron actually produced is they just said, hey, want to come in for a quick shot of your face and we'll put it on someone else? And he said, sure, man. That was my Edward Furlong impression. Sure, man. That's very how good. he sounds. Uh, thank you. That's on for like Jack that. Nicholson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's just Bart Simpson, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I can't Bart wait Simpson for them to when, do, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons when they go in the future and then I think Lisa becomes president or something and then Bart is just like a fat and a loser? Mm -hmm. That's Edward That's Furlong it. now. Yeah. <laughs> I really shouldn't say that because I would like to uh, have Edward Furlong play Brian Peppers in a movie at some point. A Brian, I wouldn't even do it as like a full movie. I would do it as like a Grindhouse trailer. I talked about doing this with Kyle William Kyle Girardi who uh, directed The Perfect Wife. I was like, we got to get Edward Furlong and just make this like a co-production. We'll do that. But uh, well, yeah. let me tell you, he's got uh, four upcoming uh, projects. Um, yeah, there's a Star Trek fan film in there. We looked it up, I think, oh, earlier yeah. this year. It's a movie called Charlie's Horse. Cool. I'm sure that I've heard good things about Charlie's Horse. Uh, maybe we'll cover it on the show in a future episode. Could be real good. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Christmas Kasper, story. Casper yeah. Van Diem. That's a, Ooh, that's a of Python and Anaconda 3. And his one good movie space, was yeah, Starship, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, yeah. Spaceship yeah. Troopers. That's, that's he was probably in that one, too. When that's the Asylum Latin, American, Latin American version. That's the yeah. Latin American name. Uh, yeah, a Christmas Story Christmas doesn't overstay its welcome or anything. I watched it twice. I watched it um on my own and then i watched it with uh with with my mom on thanksgiving like a good good boy would do uh i am an angel obviously for those who are watching this program uh there's a halo flowing about you look like a devil see i'm the angel and hans is the devil that's, christmas that's devil. how this uh program has always gone <laughs> well your christmas go-to is what santa claus versus satan right the brazilian <laughs> 1923 <laughs> film yeah <laughs> it was i was also very terrified of uh because um i don't even know if you guys have this thing called holy week in the middle of like april no okay so because we are a very catholic country um there's two weeks i think it's april or beginning of may where uh they will give you the time off school and then on tv they would only play bible movies and that shit used to scare the fuck out of me as a kid. What, the Ten Commandments was a horror film? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, all that shit was just always terrifying to me. Uh, I don't know if it was because there it was just old times and everything just looked so dirty and, like, you know, it could be crucified, I guess. That was horrifying. But I remember being trying to watch anything on TV. And the only thing that would play on all the local channels would just be Bible movies. And, yeah. So I guess that and and on Christmas I will watch uh, Christmas Prince of Satan, which um I recently discovered they they watched it on uh, Best of the Worst or one of those episodes that they did. Uh, um, what's the Red Letter Media? So uh, it's I guess more popular or more famous than I, than I thought with white people. Well, it's probably in the public domain, so it's been circulated enough where it. It gets written. Also, they've done a thousand episodes or something, so yeah. they're running out of gas as far as that goes. Uh, Christmas Story Christmas. Do you consider it a real movie? Where does it fall in your top 10 films of the year? You did say it was like numbers seven or 10 oh. or something. 
fuck. Uh, I don't know. I have to look at my list. I haven't seen many 2022 movies, and this one definitely qualifies as a 2022 movie. So this it is a 2020. It is officially a 2022 movie. Uh, I have watched so many films. Uh, let me see. I've watched, I think, over almost 400 movies this year, which is a lot more than last year. Last year, I think I got maybe 50 movies in 2021, like from 2021. So, all right. Older films watched in 2022, 253. Ranked films of 2022, 108 films. So I've watched a lot of movies this year. And some of that doesn't include repeats that I've already watched. Yeah. Those are, so those are all fresh watches. I would say that I'll give you what what number of Christmas story Christmas is in my overall list. It's number twenty six for the year. Which is is the Matrix above that? That was twenty twenty one. That was late oh, twenty twenty one. It was December something. Uh, yeah. So there you go. And that's just I I don't know. I actually might revise that. That might be a little lower. Twenty six seems too high for this movie. And I don't even dislike this movie, but come on, let's be realistic here. Well, have you seen so many? Yeah. I don't think I've seen many 2022. I'm going through my letterbox right now and maybe 20, maybe 30 movies. I have it higher than Nope and Barbarian. And The Batman. Yeah, I would say so too. I enjoyed myself more than than those. Way higher than Nope? Yeah. Although maybe in retrospect, maybe not. I I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't feel right. Uh, It's right. Barbarian, yeah. Yeah, It's sandwiched between Catherine Called Birdie, which is Lena Dunham's second movie she put out this year. That one's one before it. And uh, Crimes of the Future is right after it, which was kind of a disappointment. Yeah. Then I have the second Aqua Teens movie, Plantasm, which was much better than the first Aqua Teen movie and was... Pretty funny, but I was also thinking like, where can I actually put this film? You right. know, number thirty, number twenty-eight, something along those lines. We'll do that. You know, it's not a top twenty film. It's not a top ten film. Fourth of July is twenty-nine, and then the Batman is thirty. Did I you mean, ever see? Never, did you wind up I, seeing Louis C.K.'s movie? I never finished it. I got like ten minutes in, and I was like, "This is uh, bad choice." You know what's good? You know what you might enjoy is, um, are you familiar with Tiny Cinema? It's a YouTube channel. Yeah, they were like a sketch comedy group on YouTube, and they did a movie in 2020, I believe, or maybe 2019, called Butt Boy. No. Are you familiar with that? Nope. You are not familiar with Butt Boy. (laughs) Oh, I think Uh, you might have, I think you might have shared the poster because this looks familiar but i never assumed the position i've never seen it i think it's about a guy who's just addicted to shoving things up his ass if i remember correctly it's been a little while since i watched it addicted to shoving things up his ass and then eventually he puts like a child up his ass and there's a missing like a, they go searching for the, the kid or something i don't know i, I it's been a while right but i so i watched I their <laughs> i watched their second movie here uh, which is just called Tiny Cinema. It's named after their sketch comedy group. And it's like the Twilight Zone movie, basically. It's it's a couple of different oh, nice. shorts uh, that are all comedic and dark. And I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was like, I you know, the humor is along the lines of 
I guess closer to what would our taste would be considered like that sort of David Gordon Green, Danny McBride right. style of like raunchier, edgier humor. And I thought they pulled it off minus the very last short in the film. The last short in the film sucks and the quality of it also takes a dive. I could hear like a fridge going in the background for some lines of dialogue that disappeared when the other person was talking. That's oh, not no. very professional. You got to avoid that if you're putting a movie out. But you're you know, someone's the, belly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you're recording a podcast, <laughs> you just hear stomach growling noises. Yeah. Well, that's what people consider charming in this medium, you know? Um, Father Stu, well, 22. Especially for, for anthologies, right? That anthologies have been so missed lately. I don't think since VHS 2, I've watched an anthology film where I'm like, oh, that was very good. You know, that's I the think the key, one I the key with doing an anthology film, if you're going to do one, is it has to be one director. Because hmm. if you do multiple directors, it's too much of a mixed bag and it never really works. You get one memorable segment or two memorable segments. Even the New York Stories anthology from 1990, I think it was, Martin Scorsese's segment is great. And it's got Nick Nolte. It got me in the mood for watching more Nick Nolte films. I checked out James L. Brooks's, what was it called? Say something or something where he's playing like a washed up actor and his, his wife gets arrested or something. She's played by Tracy Ullman. It's a good movie. And Haish is in it, you know, before she mm. burnt to death. <laughs> um, enjoyable film. I'm not remembering the title at the moment, but uh, his segment in that is good. Very good. Actually. The Woody Allen segment is kind of good and it's funny ish. You know, and then the Coppola segment is fucking, yeah, it's so bad. I need to Which see Coppola if I can get, it? it's Francis Ford Coppola. It's the three big New York directors at that time. Uh, but I was going to say, I, I should, I need to look into getting work on Megalopolis because they just started shooting that. I need to have my name added to that very stacked cast. Just like when Spider-Man No, no Way Home came out and it was like rumored Tobey Maguire. And then it was my name and then it was some <laughs> other extra. And then it was Andrew Garfield. I had my face in a lot of like random Indian website news reports and stuff. It's like Tom Hardy rumored. Who's next? Me. JK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we got to do that. I got to figure that out. Shia LaBeouf and me and Megalopolis coming soon to a theater near you be great he's 90 years old he's 100 years old francis Ford Coppola. he's gonna be dead before the movie finishes he looks it i saw that screenshot that you posted and he well he lost so much weight off. again he he's kept the weight off i think because he had a heart attack and he's very built you know he's very concerned about his own survival which he should be he's old as fuck and he's spending mm -hmm. i think so he's spending some crazy amount of money of his savings his life's work uh, everything has built up to this this movie, Megalopolis. And if he doesn't pull it off, wow. This is a movie, right, that he's been wanting to make for a long time. And... For ages, yeah. But he's always said, oh, it's too big of a budget. But he's made so much money in the wine industry, you know? And he's got a famous family. And he's, look, he's going to be dead in the next 10 years, probably. And he knows that. So he was like, fuck it. I'll just use all my, I've got all this I'll money here. It. <laughs> Let me do it. Let's do it. And I'll get an A-list cast, too. And he did get an A-list cast. The last thing he made was some kind of cheap-looking 
um, what's her name? Dakota F- L. Fanning starring movie, and he did Tetro before that. Tetro said, uh, Tetro said, Vincent Gallo said, uh, you know, he didn't really care for the movie. But working with Francis Ford Coppola, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, actually, the same thing I'm leading into. Uh, working with Francis Ford Coppola was a big, big turning point for him as a director. And he looks at his career as pre-Francis Ford Coppola and post-Francis Ford Coppola. Vincent? Vincent does. Mm. Because working with Francis Ford Coppola educated him so much on how to direct a movie that it changed his entire process with filmmaking after he did that film, Tetro. And so he's kind of whatever about, he said he didn't like the movie, but it was such a big learning experience. And I've, I've been thinking more about this because I watched Tar recently and Tar is directed by Todd Field. I, you, I know you tried to watch it. We were gonna maybe talk about it on the show. And you said, uh, after like yeah. 10 minutes, you're just, <laughs> I think I fell asleep during, or something. And then I watched it and I kind of, I was like, yeah, this is slow. And then it picks up in the middle. And I was like, oh, okay. all right, I'm into it. I see what this is about now. This is interesting. Okay. And then at the end of it, I was like, I really enjoyed that. That was great. Mm. Um, so you should probably give it a shot before you come okay. up with your list. It's about cancel yeah. culture and how it cancels people and what they right. do. And I love actually what the outcome of that in the movie is. It's kind of, okay. uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I won't say anything, but Todd Field is the pianist and eyes wide shut. That's what his okay. career was. He was also in Twister and a bunch of shitty movies. He was an actor. And this movie, I had seen little children. I haven't seen in the bedroom, which was his first movie, but this movie tar has so much, um, Kubrick influence to it in a way that is not overt that I, you know, working with a master at their craft and being able to have any sort of uh, dynamic relationship with somebody who is uh, completely skilled at at one facet of of anything really can be such a valuable experience um, for anyone who chooses to pay attention. I think I see a lot of people who maybe even undeservingly get to hover around masters of a particular craft and take that for granted and choose to ignore that, or maybe just treat the experience like a casual thing, as opposed to something where you can really sharpen and hone your skills. And Todd field uh, seems like a guy who did not take that for granted. And you can see visually, especially, um, some aspects of Kubrick in his filmmaking, the way that I haven't seen in another filmmaker before. Like Nolan is frequently thrown out there as the Kubrick guy, but he's not at all. And he's so surface level, which isn't a bad thing, right? I'm not saying that as a snob, but his movies are big event movies. They're like classier Michael Bay films. That's all Christopher Nolan is. Ooh, you're gonna get a lot of uh, Twitter. Yeah, that's all right. It's been it's been a day full of that. So that's fine. You know, I'm sure Oppenheimer will be great, but that's that's exactly what it is. It's the classy man's or the man who thinks he's classy, uh, Michael Bay film, and um, he's nothing at all like Kubrick, but he's thrown out there in the same regard. Like Kubrick is so full of personality and style, 
and Nolan is only like him in that he's methodical and, but the thing is his art comes across sterile, you know, Kubrick's art doesn't come across sterile. Todd field. I get the sense, um, maybe aspires to be a successor, but it doesn't come across that way. It doesn't come across as like hackneyed or, or some wannabe, you know, uh, I don't know. So that was my takeaway from tar. And I, I enjoy that film, but it's not, don't go into it thinking, Oh, this is a Kubrick movie. You'll just get glimpses of it. If you pay close enough attention, it's subtle. It's not overt. Um, but anyway, yeah. I'll give it a shot. I guess I just, yeah, I couldn't get past all the babbling for like the first 10 minutes. It's a lot of babbling. It's tons of babbling. It was a big year for lesbians in film. <laughs> big year for Kate Blanchett. Um, when isn't it though? She was in Pinocchio. Did you watch Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? No, not yet. I heard it was really good. It is good. It's, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. It's dark. It's a dark kids movie. And the end, the ending is as dark as a kids movie gets. It takes place in Nazi Italy, fascist Italy. It's it's very woke, you know, it says, hey, this is bad. (laughs) Pinocchio is an Antifa, you know. Black Pinocchio. (laughs) Yes. For no reason at all, just. Well, he does get charred in the film. You know, he gets lit on fire at a certain point. So. I don't think that changes his race all of a sudden, mm-hmm. but maybe if Geppetto's imagination is strong enough, right? maybe yes. he can do he it. He gets lips, right? <laughs> he just starts eating jam and he gets burnt <laughs> and the jam stays on his face. And the tr- jar turns into watermelon. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's too far. That's inappropriate. Hey. Porn. Which was better? Which, which did you like more? What is the better film, A Christmas Story, A Christmas Story, Christmas? Oh, no, the original, 100%. But I I I don't know. I've heard a lot of people say A Christmas Story, Christmas is the best. I think you need to talk to better people. (laughs) (laughs) Go to (laughs) betterhelp.com. Yeah. uh, I just don't think that it's a... a, I don't think it's a bad attempt at making something similar 40 years later. Uh, And... Again, just like I said on the last episode, uh, I don't usually rewatch things. So my first impression, I was, you know, this is fine. This is exactly what it's supposed to be. And uh, not trying to be any, any, anything else or break ground or anything new. It's just like, yeah, this is a sequel 40 years later and that's what you get. So uh, I gave it a three out of five on, on Letterboxd. But I, I think, especially because the... Um, well, number one, I'm not very familiar with Christmas movies, uh, but um, I feel like everything that comes that's Christmas theme is either Hallmark Channel or now we have to make Christmas horror or now you have Christmas, but Santa curses and he's got a, an axe or whatever. And it's like, I don't, like, that's by the way, speaking of those Hallmark movies, I, I did post about this, but have you noticed like a massive influx of uh, WMAF Christmas movies all over the place? I logged on to HBO Max and it was like a Hollywood Christmas and it was some like four Asian girl and a, like a dorky white guy. That's all of these movies this year is some like the Hallmark movies ha- actually have much more attractive Asian actresses than this HBO movie anyway. She's got moles all over her face. I don't know who decided that was a good idea. 
should have told Wolverine her, hey, to you do. want this movie? Fucking shave those off like Tom Holland did for Spider-Man. <laughs> I know it's not Spider-Man. It's a Hollywood Christmas, but come on. We're, we're going to have your fucking face blown up on the banner of HBO Max. Is that not worth seeing a dermatologist over? Um, but yeah, I've seen a, a ton of like, I well, I logged on to YTS.MX and, you know, they throw in all these shit movies from 2022. And it's all like, it's all white guys and Asian chicks. It's, it's usually not even like a subtly hallmark channel white guy it's like a dorky white guy there you go he's gay that's a gay guy that's a gay man peewee would love him yeah i get what you mean yeah yeah these are two like below average looking people now i'm just being mean to it's christmas i'm being mean to actors actors gotta work but i mean you got enough money hbo to you know at least someone that's that's going to be my late out. life career starring in these movies when I'm 50. <laughs> Wearing a hairpiece. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. It looks like they fucking painted his hair on. He looks like Lazy Town in that, that image. Who's the guy who died of cancer with the Jim Carrey face? That's how his hair looks. Like they were like, ah, he's a little patchy. Why don't we just get the ink blower? Uh, yeah, Let's get the tattoo of, uh, gun out. Should we cover this movie? Shoe, shoe, no. No. <laughs> I don't think we should. I think there's other classics that I should watch before watching A Hollywood Christmas. A Hollywood Christmas oh, is a classic. Meta romantic comedy. I don't, I don't Can know. We, let's check out. Uh, I don't know if we should check out the trailer to this because I want a five bucks or something that I'm, this yeah. video is going to make. But I'm curious to see what this is about. Why is it so Hollywood? Well, I can, let's read. Well, nah, I don't want to read about it. Let's just play the trailer. Fuck it. Who cares? Okay. All right. Anyway. But another, uh, like Todd Field, George C. Scott. Oh, it's so loud. God. Very loud. Let's bring it way down. Way down. Um, George C. Scott acted in Dr. Strangelove, worked with Stanley Kubrick, and then went on to direct a film, which Roger Avery and Quentin Tarantino covered on their podcast today, which is... Uh, probably the best film podcast there is aside from this one. Right. And uh, they, they talked about this movie called rage that he did. And apparently there's some Kubrick influence to that too. I haven't seen it. I can't speak on it firsthand, but I'm very curious to check this out. I think it's from 1972. So here, you, here you have this it. Seems hard to track down. So I'm like, I need posters. Yeah. Left. Yeah. Fury night. He's always angry. He's always so angry, George C. Scott. But There's anyway. a great story about um, how difficult he was with Paul Schrader leading up to hardcore because he was just a really bad alcoholic. And they had to like rehearse. He was trying to like pitch him the script and he was just completely wasted at his mansion the entire time and yelling he, at his wife. Would he like offer everyone shots and then he would just hide in the toilet? So he could get we take more. a suboxone and just hide for <laughs> 45 minutes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That was classic George C. Scott. That's, that's really the sign that an actor is worth your time. All right, let's check this out. A Hollywood Christmas. Hi. 
Christopher. Christopher Kringle. I'm the executive producer on this show. That's not necessary. If I had some ideas about the script, do I talk to you about those or? He's your antagonist. What are you talking about? This whole thing is a Christmas movie. When is that Deep Roy? What's the the girl from The Office? What's her name? <laughs> The Indian girl. Yo, this chick has a big ass forehead. They should have had the fuck. They should have had like a hairpiece on her that would go halfway. This looks like the guy from Family Guy. What's his name? Uh, Quagmire. What? No, no, no. The main, the 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 voice guy. Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane's got kind of like a generic, darker feature white man kind of look. So the movie's about how she's a director who wants to make her Christmas movie, and then a producer comes in and he's like, "No, you should do this. This Christmas movie." And I guess so. Who, who watches this? Because this is a little like too young person-y to be for a 50-year-old woman. But it's also very hallmarky too. Yeah. It's like, so HBO obviously has better people than Hallmark, but it's all the same thing. It's just a little more feature filmy than a Hallmark movie. They're not using... Um, Use better lenses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone cares about depth of field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Same lighting throughout the whole movie, but depth of field, yeah. I don't, I, I just like who's putting money to I, uh, I HBO. This is what Zasloff came in and 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 try is trying to correct. I don't know. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's a wonderful film. It's a wonderful life. Why don't we see what's what it's at on Rotten Tomatoes, and then we'll close out the show because we're going. What this one? Yeah. Uh, we've done almost three hours of recording today. It's nice because we got to catch up for the month. And this will be a good start. Uh, probably not enough ratings or four ratings. Five ratings is my guess. Yeah, there's, there's only four. Uh, and the audience. Uh, Ooh, the audience is not a fan. The audience likes a more traditional looking couple. Uh, the movie goes further than the usual. Oh, Rachel. Hall Markey's <laughs> podcast, especially for fans of these TV movies. This is hilarious. 4.5. We, we need to get Rachel in the pot to talk about Hall Markey's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the movie goes further than the... You keep zooming in when I'm reading that specific <laughs> review. <laughs> the movie goes further than the usual required ingredients, adding a good share non-essential cliches ah uh, hollywood christmas could easily fit a home on hallmark and lifetime daniel daniel excuse me mm. yeah. brett what does brett have to say hollywood christmas's premise can you just uh, scoot it over a little bit so i can continue yep. uh is interesting and the performances are fantastic across the board it just feels like it needed a little bit more Christmas movie magic to make it all come together. Wow. 
that's kind of a generous review. Fantastic still... performances, huh? All right. Yeah. I'm not uh, I, I don't know. I won't go in on this movie, but uh... anyway, uh, Christmas Story is great. Christmas Story Christmas, I think, is like a fun, special, featurey kind of follow up to it. And, you know, it's exactly what it should be because yep. you can't really compete or authentically continue that as we've seen in the past. The best you get is maybe My Summer Story, which I'm just going based off of the cast and the fact that Bob Clark directed it. Um, otherwise, you wind up in the direct to DVD Warner premiere line, and that's not uh, a favorable outcome. So uh, I, I enjoyed both of these movies, especially enjoy A Christmas Story. Obviously, it's a great film. And uh, that has been movies for this yeah. week. Uh, have you? All right. Before we close out the show, have you had your other accounts unbanned yet? I haven't checked. Have you reused the same Twitter handle? Because I don't know. They might be well, suspended. Still suspended? Yeah, I've seen so everyone else who has gotten suspended in the past five years is back. Yeah, not yet, I guess. Elon yeah. hasn't gotten to me yet. <laughs> well, maybe maybe in time for Christmas, we'll see Hansakin and I don't know. Hansakin. I don't even remember what the other ones were. Yeah. No, Hansakin Dos, Shut Up Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just go down the list of all the, the URLs? I don't know. All right. That has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.